0: White Sports. It is your sports pod hookup. I'm your host, Bobby Adcock. And uh, it's been about a month, episode 37 here. And we're back for college football? DFS? Probably something any of us thought would not be here. Uh, Maybe it shouldn't be here. (laughs) I'm not really going to get into that. What I will uh, say is that as long as there are games being played and contests are being released i'm gonna do what i do and i'll be covering them on the website fakepigskin.com in a written post usually i will embed this podcast into that as well and this will just be kind of an expansion onto um the written content and just give me a way to expand Again, expansion, expand. Keep saying the same word, idiot. Uh, A way to elaborate (laughs) on what I do in in the writing form. It's just a little bit easier to include more here. So, um, yeah, let's get on with it. Um, This is going to be week two, day slate, college football DFS on DraftKings. Preview starts now. All right, welcome in one and all. We have a week two, a seven game slate on DK. I'd like to get through each one of these games succinctly and hopefully uh, relatively quickly so you will be ready to go into battle on your Saturday afternoon. Let's start with the first one. It is Syracuse at North Carolina. North Carolina. Tar Heels. Minus 23 points over under 65 and a half. And I just want to stop right here for a second and talk about seven game slates. Um, these are typically more like a night contest type size. And one thing about these is that it's not necessarily about hitting on the three or four right individuals necessarily as it is about being kind of showing up to the right party, if you will. Um, typically when there's this few games, if you're not in on the maybe the one or two highest scoring games, you're probably out of the cash line because each slate is different in terms that it only provides a limited supply of points. And if you don't hit the right one or two games sometimes in a very small contest, it's just probably not gonna work out for you, which is why North Carolina represents uh, such an important part of this slate which is kind of crazy to say we're talking about um, North Carolina football. Who knew the ghost of Mac Brown would uh, get this program going the way it is. And uh, we all know who kind of the the studs are. They're the most expensive people. And of course, you want to play as many uh, different combinations as you can of them. So I'm not gonna really talk about those guys a lot. The object of what I'm trying to do is to offer you a path to afford them. Uh, a reasonable path, so a collection of maybe three or four guys that have very uh, solid floors, reasonable upside, and a great price. You know, somewhere in the three or four K range. So, um, not going to spend time talking about Tar Heels. Yes, we all want uh, Sam Howell and Daz Newsome. Uh, n- not nothing unique there. So, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Syracuse. Uh, I would just say that to add on and emphasize to the North Carolina advantage here Q's defense is a mess yeah it's in transition with a new coordinator and obviously if any staff or teams in transition year this has been a horrible time for that because of COVID they haven't had to get in the necessary work in the offseason they've lost seven stars on that side of the ball too so um I I expect North Carolina with all the players they have back including an elite level college quarterback and Sam Howell uh, they're going to have their way with them, no doubt. Probably good for maybe five to six offensive touchdowns. Other than, I think it was West Virginia, probably the safest floor in a total offense for offensive scores. Probably expect five or six, at least that's what Vegas would project as this projected score would be about around forty-four and a half, twenty-one, 21 somewhere around there, around there. So, um, all right. As far as Syracuse is concerned, uh, not really interested in anything here. I think I can find uh, better options in terms of uh, prices and what they project to deliver. Uh, They have two opt-outs at running back. So uh, Jahar Jordan is the projected starter. He's a redshirt freshman. Um, He's supposed to be really talented. I have no doubt he is, but I'm not so sure this is a great uh, spot for him to showcase that. So um, he might be the only usable option. He could even get Taj Harris. Um, he'll, he should have an increased role with the absence of Trish and Jackson now off to the pro level. So um, I, there might be some value with, again, some of the receivers who are going to see increased roles, but it's just it hasn't been a great offense. They're also going through some changes with their philosophy and how they're being coached on offense. So not a great year for transitioning. I'm just going to avoid uh, Syracuse pretty much all together and I like uh I like options elsewhere and we'll get to that so let's move on from this game and let's get to Duke blue Devils at Notre Dame Notre Dame the school where every alma mater will let you know they attended there in the first five minutes that you've met them true story um beyond that Notre Dame is minus 20 the over under is 54. And uh, again, I think a tough spot for Duke here, as the spread would suggest. They have a new quarterback, Chase Bryce, who's a Clemson transfer. He's their starting quarterback. I think that's solid value, because he's around like 5,300. And I think if you get any starter with the allotment of talent around him, which I think there is some with Duke here, uh, there's some weapons. So let's talk about those. Deion Jackson and Mateo Durant are the running backs for Duke. Deion Jackson is the lead horse of the two, uh, but Mateo Grant, the Durant did enough, I think, uh, last season in a little breakout campaign to show that he has the big play threat that everyone loves, and he can do damage with maybe 10 to 12 touches. That's all he needs. So I think you're going to see plenty of both, maybe a 60-40 split in favor of Deion Jackson, and both have uh, solid prices. I think Deion Jackson comes in around 5700 Mateo Durant, a very dirt cheap 4k I think 41k somewhere like that but um, solid value there for both should see plenty of action uh, Durant's the guy probably with the home run capability and maybe the one I would lean towards more as this might turn into a game where Duke might have to abandon some of their ground game um, as far as the receivers go Noah Gray the tight end for Duke solid value at 4200 he's arguably going to be Option 1, 1A for quarterback Chase Bryce in that offense. Uh, Very reliable, very productive last year as a receiver. Um, The good news is for Duke, I think that they return four or five offensive line starters. So um, even though it's a tough matchup, I think it's a good spot for someone like Bryce to get his feet wet with a new team. A lot of productive talent around him as position players and that, again, four or five O-line starters. Um, so that's uh, s- some good news. Now here's some not so great news is the defense. Well, not great news for Duke, but probably good news if you're interested in Notre Dame. Defense lost three of four stars on the D-line and their leading tackler at linebacker, Kobe Kwanzaa. So, um, and that coincides with Notre Dame returning all their offensive line uh, that was pretty effective to begin with, and their uh, veteran quarterback, Ian Book, who's NFL level prospect. So uh, the Duke defensive front should have their hands full. And I think this is where this game gets really intriguing. I don't know how much I'm gonna play these guys because with Notre Dame right now, outside of Ian Book and the offensive line, their position players are all question marks. There is a set established pecking order Um, but in these situations I think before we see it play out in actual games I'm not going to completely trust whatever the depth chart says it is prior to week one Um, but let's talk about those position groups a little bit because I think even if you're not going to go all in on some of these options uh, this is a great week to monitor Notre Dame for uh, what future trends might be Uh, for production and playing time and all that stuff. So um, the Notre Dame receivers, keep in mind, uh, Chase Claypool, Cole Komet, the tight end, and Fink are now all gone off to the pro level. Um, That leaves Javon McKinley as the projected wide receiver one. He has all the talent in the world, a very former high recruit. Injuries have derailed his what has been kind of a somewhat disappointing career at Notre Dame, but this is his chance, now healthy, uh, senior season to be the guy, the number one guy. And Ian Book has had a a good history of turning number one guys out uh, into pros. Miles Boykin, the aforementioned Claypool. So um, he's the guy that would project to be the the best. Obviously his price suggests as well. After him, the number two is projected to be Bennett Skowronek. He's a grad transfer from Northwestern. He's more of your slot uh, possession type receiver. And who knows? Who knows um, what the role will be with Ian Book, with the rapport they have. Again, no matter what's happening in practice or camp or whatever, I think the real uh, chemistry will be developed in the game. And that's why this will be uh, an interesting matchup to watch here Saturday afternoon. And after that, it's kind of who will emerge from this collection of Experience, talent, um, disappointing guys so far in their Notre Dame career, and then some freshmen. So, the first one I want to talk about is Braden Lenzi. He profiles as the big play guy, home run hitter type guy. Also, health has kind of been an issue for him in his career. Last year, I think it's also notable to mention he had a 13, 200, two touchdown rushing line. It was something like third on the team in rushing. So, What it tells you is he's the type of guy they like to get the ball in his hands. He's a playmaker. He's a guy only maybe gets five or six touches, but he can do a ton of damage with them. So um, I think he's around 4K or maybe 45. I I don't off the top of my head remember. But anyway, I think there's a lot of value there, a lot of upside with him, and should be a decent floor. All these guys that I'm talking about, because of the uh, other upperclassmen that have moved on, there's going to be someone who emerges. Someone's going to get opportunities. Probably all of them get opportunities, and someone's going to take big advantage. The next guy would be Lawrence Keyes at third. Uh, he had a pretty solid role last year, maybe two to four catches per week. Uh, Ian Book and him had a decent rapport as maybe like a 4-4A option in the offense. So he's already established and should see an increased opportunity as well. And the wild cards to watch that I'm really interested to see how, if in how these guys are used at all, um, would be... Kevin Austin he's a junior former very highly ranked recruit was that was the highest ranked recruit of the 2018 wide receiver class for Notre Dame um he's been a guy who hasn't done much on the field was kind of had a rap of being uh maybe like lazy or um I, I don't really completely know the whole story i'm not gonna pretend like i have some inside knowledge but doesn't have a great rap but as rumored to turn that around this offseason and now potentially or allegedly one of the hardest workers and it's is really like turned it on so maybe he's kind of woken up who knows it's all just you know coach speak stuff um, we hear this stuff all the time but if there's something to it uh he's super talented he profiles as a kind of a big play Big ball skills guy. He's tall, quick, so um, kind of one of those back shoulder throw guys. And Ian Book can definitely execute those throws with the best and with the college level. So, someone to see if um, he gets in and how much he plays and what he does with it. So, the other guy is the number 36th ranked player uh, in the country as a true freshman, Jordan Johnson. Also, a prototypical wide receiver, one, you know, six foot plus. 200 pounds, tons of speed, tons of ability, uh, all kinds of potential for him. So I think, obviously, McKinley is the top guy. He's going to get the first opportunity to be uh, Ian Book's go-to guy. After that, I really do believe this is um, wide open. And there's plenty of guys who have potential and have, I think, all are going to get some sort of opportunity this week to see if they can Grab a, an increased role moving forward. So uh, again, Jordan Johnson and Kevin Austin are two guys that are I think are 3K. So they're bottom total dart throws, total speculation. But uh, who knows? Could could do some damage. And then um, yeah, Braden Lindsey and Lawrence Keys are maybe the more uh, safer floor guys who are definitely probably bagel proof, as they say. So um, let's move on from the wide receivers to Notre Dame running backs. And I think I have avoid exclamation point written down in my notes. And I'm not so sure I completely avoid it, but this is very similar to the wide receivers. Uh, Kyron Williams, Kieran, or Kyron, I'm not sure actually how it's pronounced to be honest, but um, we'll find out during the game day. He will be the first crack at RB1. Uh, Brian Kelly's on record saying he is kind of emerged as the lead back in camp this year. The next guy guy's uh, exciting freshman, Chris Tyree. He's the big play. Uh, blazing speed guy that everyone's excited about he's getting a lot of run as well in their camp and then um i expect jafar armstrong Sibo Flemister, and jameer smith to all see touches in this game uh they've talked about how this is one of the most talented deep running back depth charts they've had brian kelly thinks all five are usable um again it's all kind of speculation and you're kind of listening to coach speak of course but uh I wouldn't be surprised to see all these guys getting touches and you know how this goes. It could, you know, all of a sudden be the hot hand and Jafar Armstrong could match Kyron Williams in touches. And and also it's a a matchup where maybe the game flow takes some of the first string guys out of there, maybe in the third quarter. And uh, it kind of just impedes their value just a little bit. So um, that's kind of why I'm a little reluctant to go in on any of these guys, or maybe specifically a Kyron Williams, because of his price this week. But uh, yeah, that's that's all. Let's move on to tight ends. Um, and again, remember Cole Kmet was the second leading pass catcher for the Irish in Ian Book last season. He's gone. And there are two guys who have a chance to take over that spot and be uh, Ian Book's security blanket One is Brock Wright. He came in with Cole Komet the same year as a higher recruit, uh, just didn't really pan out as well the way Cole did. And uh, he's been somewhat disappointed. And this is kind of his big last chance to become a a big commodity at tight end for Notre Dame in what will be his final year. The other guy who I like better is Tommy Tremble, who has been more productive of the two in limited role last year between him and Brock Wright. Um, and even in spots where Cole Komet missed a little bit of time, he was consistently getting, you know, three, four catches here and there. And he was, um, he had a role last year with Komet there. So um, a little rapport already with Ian Book should be uh, an advantage for him. He amassed a 16-183-4 line on the season last year and should have a great chance to get uh, surpass all of those um categories with a full season of an increased role so um that's kind of what i wanted to cover with the notre dame side of things and i I think it'll be a it's a very good wait and see type week for them um in those position groups so uh let's move on to oh wait uh before that um this just in kevin austin i see is actually already ruled out for this game, it looks like, so uh, scratch that on him and uh, I would maybe give a slight uptick to Jordan Johnson to get some opportunity. So he's 3K, something to consider. All right, the next game. It's Eastern Kentucky at Western, sorry, West Virginia. Uh, Awesome Vegas odds here. The line is West Virginia minus 40 and a half with an over under of 55 and a half, so kind of a game projection of a 45 to 10-ish type final score. And that would put um, West Virginia in line for, like I mentioned before, about, you know, five to six touchdowns as projected by the Vegas odds. So going to be a lot of interest here uh, for good reason. And I think it goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway. I'm out on Eastern Kentucky altogether. I'm not going to bother trying to uh, find value in a team that projects to score 10 points they looked horrible last week in their debut i believe it was uh, marshall but um anyway nothing to say there i'm not i'm not going to waste any more time i think on the west virginia side i thought it was interesting to see bryce ford wheaton um priced the way he was as compared to maybe like a tj simmons who is the senior um more experienced and was more productive last season at 5100 as opposed to that i think 6700 price tag on ford wheaton i know he uh ford wheaton is the more um younger kind of higher highly recruited guy and probably anticipated take more of a leap this year that makes sense but i don't know if the price at this point makes complete sense and i might opt for simmons as a result i just think there's a little more value with the price there and if i'm paying 6700 for a wideout. out, I think there's better situations out there uh, that I would go with. So um, that's my take on the on the receivers, or at least TJ Simmons versus uh, Ford Wheaton. Obviously Sam James is probably the go-to there at the number one, uh, but he's priced that way. So, you know, not a ton of value there, but uh, you could certainly uh, justify that price as well. And uh, okay. I think the other thing to point out here in this game, not going to spend time on the number one running back for west virginia because uh well we all want to play him i think more importantly is this has the potential to be the game flow risk of the slate for someone like that number one running back and it could turn into the game flow hero candidate um, of the week in either alex singfield and tony mathis jr mathis jr has a great price If he has an entire second half or you know maybe even a quarter and a half of work because of um, a big lead that could be a really nice turnout for him and a really great chance to outperform his low price so definitely something to consider there just in terms of game flow that's all i have on this game let's move on to uh, ul monroe and army army minus 21 over under 54 and a half And I think at this point, Army's pretty straightforward after their first game. It's it's QB, Christian Anderson, and the running back slash fullback, Sanon McCoy, will likely lead the team in touches, you know, slash rushes, really, because all they do is run pretty much, and touchdowns every week. Those are the guys that are going to be taking the majority of the carries and getting the scoring chances. As you saw, I think McCoy had three or four touchdowns last week, and he's, He's kind of their goal line guy, too. He's that up back they like to give those dives to. So, um, the only other thing I wanted to mention here in this game was well, a couple of things. But first thing is, uh, freshman Terrell Robinson was very effective for Army last week with a nine carry, 94 yard performance. And um, that was not that, oh, that led the team in rushing in terms of yards um and uh, this was not some sort of uh you know second half run on the clock thing he was carrying the ball in the first half um in the very first drive so um not something due to game flow I think he's very interesting at 3400 in that really low price range where again you're trying to identify these guys that had the very safe floor bagel proof and reasonable upside right nine carries 94 yards you'll take that um and you know the the, obviously the price is what sells you overall so um robinson's definitely one of those candidates for me this week that um i think is a good building block so the other thing i want to talk about um oh on the ul monroe side so i actually kind of have to give it to dk here because this is the type the the time of the year especially in these fringe sports like college football where you know they're not really used to creating these contests and having a lot of people playing them or pay attention to them is they screw up prices all the time. And there's a few of them here, but I'll give them credit. With Yom Monroe there's pretty much two commodities that everyone would be on if anything, which was their uh one of their conference leading running backs last year in the Sun Belt was Josh Johnson and then their tight end Josh Peterson, uh very productive last year is pretty much their number one pass catching target. And um, but their price accordingly. I think Johnson was around 7k, and Josh Peterson I think was 5,800. So again, because the price is where it's at, it's probably correct in terms of the market. The value maybe kind of disappears a bit. So not to say you can't play them, but I think I can find better options in what should be probably a, a tougher uh, matchup, especially for Johnson. So um, not sure he's worth it at 7,100 let's get out of this game and let's go on to georgia tech at florida state florida state's minus 12 and a half over under 52 um and for georgia tech side of the ball other than jalen camp and jordan mason kind of out on this team altogether. uh something that could be intriguing but they haven't announced yet is the starting qb uh it's either uh graham i believe it's Josh or Jeff Graham? I'm forgetting this right now. Uh, forgive me. But um, anyway, he was the incumbent last year, but they have a very exciting dual threat freshman and Jeff Sims that if he in fact is named starter, and we actually know this uh, prior to kickoff, um, he's $4,500. And he could be really intriguing uh, as a punt and play at the QB slot where usually you have to spend a lot of money to stay competitive in the big contest. So um, just something to consider if we do get news on that. Other than that, um, not really not really into anything on Georgia Tech's side. Too many unknowns about their offense still, and um, just who's gonna play and what roles people are gonna have. So um, for the FSU Seminoles here, after Tamorian and Terry at wide receiver, it's pretty much a guessing game for now. Kind of like Notre Dame in a way. Um, there are better, more reliable options elsewhere that you have to pick from uh, than the other Florida State receivers, so I'm not gonna go over them. FSU RBs, very similar to Notre Dame running backs. Uh, so let's start with who is projected to be in line. It is Jashawn Corbin. He is the AM transfer. Uh, very talented came in his freshman year a and m averaged almost six yards per carry in limited time his season was ended abruptly last year by an injury and he's transferred now here he looks to be the lead back but again no games been played we don't know how this is going to play out the other one um, at running back is ladamian webb who is a juco transfer who was a big star at that level last year 4500 he should see some touches i would say anywhere from maybe six to seven who knows depending on the hot hand game flow all that stuff but uh i think he'll be playing as well and then uh kind of the dart throw wild card is lawrence toafili he's a uh, bare bottom 3k he's their blue chip freshman recruit so depending how this game goes and how the coaches want to work out this group in a real game uh, who knows I wouldn't take a chance because of that, kind of like uh, Notre Dame and uh, Kieran Williams. Is that, is that the right name? Yeah, it is the right name. Yeah, I'm, I'm smart. Um, I don't know that I'm willing to pay that price just yet uh, until I see that he can justify it. You know, he's going to get the touches. He's going, you know, he has the right role, all that stuff. I, I don't know that I can pay that price for Corbin, even though I think he's really good. Uh, and given the the right amount of touches, I think he can do a ton of damage. So, um, But yeah, so that's kind of what I want to say about their running back position right now. Probably a wait and see for me, but definitely intrigued to see how it plays out in their first game. So let's get out of that game and move on to University, Louisiana, Lafayette at Iowa State. Iowa State is minus 11.5, over under 57. So look, the obvious plays here uh I don't want to spend too much time on or Brock Purdy Brees Hall and Tariq Milton for uh Iowa State as the kind of the you know the elite quarterback the workhorse running back he has a cowbell role I I love him I'm probably gonna play him everywhere but don't need to spend a lot of time on why it's because he's really good and he gets probably like 25 touches a game also involved in the passing game just a perfect type of play for DFS purposes and Milton now with LaMichael Petaway and Deshante Jones moving on with their eligibility extinguished, Tariq Milton now looks to be the main man at receiver for Brock Purdy. The other guy I want to mention um, who is probably my favorite floor upside price combo of the slate is Titan Charlie Kohler. Um, again, we talked about giving him credit for pricing out um, those other guys. Who did I talk about uh, for that other bad team? Oh, ULM Monroe. Um, so they did a good job there. And this is where they missed here with Charlie Kohler. Uh, he's one of the top pass-catching tight ends in the country. He was third last season in catches and yards for this team and first in touchdowns. Overall line was 51, 697, and 7. Um, his price should probably be closer to maybe 55, 6K even, um, especially, again, with those departures of Michael Petaway and Deshauntae Jones. This is a guy he uh, pretty already has that rapport with. The chemistry's there. So the comfort level alone should just boost him up a little bit from last year's production. I think uh, easily a five to six catch guy per week. So I love Kohler here, but the biggest story maybe of the slate and definitely of this game is... The hype surrounding Juco transfer, Xavier Hutchinson, wide receiver for Iowa State. Um, Look, I Google him a little bit. People don't stop talking about this guy. Matt Campbell, his teammates, other coaches have nothing but positive things to say about him. Um, He seems to be turning heads to camp. He's in line to start. And all they talk about is the big plays he can make and the tape of him at his Juco. I forget the name of it but anyway uh this guy could be something special here from all accounts and at the price of 4900 again him and Kohler two of my favorite uh floor ceiling price combos on this slate so I love both those guys and I think something you should definitely consider when you're building your lineups And on the uh, Lafayette side, there could be some really uh, serious value at wide receiver here as well because of the departures of Jamarcus Bradley to the pro ranks. And then the other most veteran guy they had in their kind of option 1A or option 2 last year behind Bradley, Jamal Bell, has now injured for the season. So he's out. What that leaves is Peter LeBlanc, who's my favorite uh, person to emerge and uh, take on the most production of this group his freshman year last year he was kind of 2 uh, 2a to um, Jamal Bell he got a 28 344 four touchdown line that four touchdowns would tied for second on the team and uh, Jalen Williams is the other guy And tight end Neil Johnson should also provide solid value because they have some really great places. they haven't really taken to account the injuries so um, Yeah, I I think Peter LeBlanc, another one of my favorite, um, kind of in that same profile as Kohler and Xavier Hutchinson that I mentioned. So great price, great floor, great upside. And um, also Lafayette, really solid quarterback play out of Levi Lewis. You know, he's competent, um, had 26 touchdowns, only four interceptions last year. So very efficient. He shouldn't be um, rattled by you know playing Iowa State or a big power five team I think they'll be just fine so that is good news I think for all those uh, very valuable receivers that I mentioned before and then just to throw out there a uh, freshman Dante Fleming another receiver for Lafayette that's been uh, creating some buzzing camp 4k for, for you so something to consider there as well in the last game of the day slate Arkansas State at K Kansas State line is 10 and a half over under 54 and a half. I'm potentially out on this entire game. Um, I'll say this. For Arkansas State, last week in their first game, Jamal Jones, he had a line of 15 and 64, also caught two passes. And he has a price of 4K. I think that is mispriced just because of the uh, volume He projects to get um, any running back. Should be probably at least 5K. Um, The KSU running back situation right now projects as like a three-headed monster. Probably in the lead there is Harry Trotter and Tyler Burns, who will likely share a majority of the workload. But neither is kind of uh, exciting for, I think, for DFS purposes. They're more of, uh, you know, between the tackles, three yards in the cloud of dust type runners. Uh, Not a lot of uh, game-breaking ability. The guy who does have it is true freshman, Deuce Vaughn, um, but it's too hard to tell how much opportunity he'll get early on. I, I don't know. Um, this should be a, projection, be a relatively close game. Right now the Vegas projection is like a 21 type game. So uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, it's too much unknown with him at 4,100. I do think there are better values that we've already talked about. So, um, If you want to take a shot, he might be worth it. Maybe he needs a couple of plays. You can break a big play and he makes your day at 4,100, that's fine. Um, But uh, I'm probably gonna stay away in general. It's just not a matchup. KSU is very ball control oriented um, and they just don't don't run a very explosive type offense. So um, yeah, a couple more things before we get out of here. Graduate transfer. I don't, I don't know if it's graduate, it might just be transfer, but tight end, Briley Moore, highly productive at Northern Iowa. Freshman year, over 400 yards. Sophomore full season at Northern Iowa, over 500 yards. Uh, in around, I think both seasons were about 30 to 40 catches. So, uh, proven production there at the tight end position. And uh, reading a little bit about him so far at Kansas State, they're very excited to have him. He projects as the starter, and I think is a very safe, bagel-proof type of uh, good high floor guy for his price, which I believe is 3,200. So if you're looking for that type of building block piece, uh, I think he fits the role perfectly. and oh yeah his last season was derailed by injuries so he sat out most of last year so yeah look uh I think he's very notable for this game and someone to consider I don't hate Skylar Thompson or Malik Knowles for Kansas State I just think for this slate at their prices which I'll commend DK once again they're finally fair prices for these guys they should be where they are but and uh, this particular slate, I don't know if I'm willing to pay the price just because uh, I don't know that I trust Kansas State's approach offensively enough as I do other areas that I uh, can afford at the same price. So um, yeah, we get it. That's it. It's the full seven game slate. Um, good luck to everyone playing out there. I hope this was beneficial. Don't forget to check out fakepigskin.com for the written portion. There will also be some content around the Night Slate as well, Uh, and and maybe on here on the pod too. Um, And if you're interested, I'm doing DFS golf every week. I I write, do stats, course history, um, and... Typically, we'll bring in Kyle Robert for a podcast as well to talk through the field. And it's no better time than now because next week is the first of six major championships uh, for the uh, for this season. Uh, it's kind of a weird adjusted season where they're they're doing um, two Masters and two U.S. Opens because of COVID. So uh, check it all out and good luck. We'll see you next time.